Last year, we were rejected for the Master Gardener program, and we were frustrated about that. Now we are planning to do it this fall, and, you know, maybe it's the right time. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Hi, and welcome to our podcast of July 22nd, 2010. You're right about the Master Gardener program. We just uh, got a call the other day that we um, were accepted for this year into the program, and I started thinking... Yeah, we were hurt, sort of, last year that we didn't get accepted. But um, when I think about it, the timing is much more right for us this year to take it because we've had some experience. We know more more what to ask about when it's time for questions. And we've had, we we can relate what they talk about much more to real life experience because we've been there. We can put it in context. And um, and probably, I I don't want to sound like we're, arrogant already, but sort of be able to say, yeah, that's how they're doing it, but we know we're not going to do it that way. Right. And and along those lines, we know, for example, I know from having attended a blueberry workshop that was sponsored by the um, Extension Service in Alabama, that uh, in central Alabama, that most of the people around here are not going to be into organic the way we are. They're going They'll to use pesticides and herbicides, herbicides and fertilizer. Exactly. And and, and, um, and sort of cock one eyebrow when they hear talk to somebody like you or me, yeah. and we say, well, we don't use those things. No, but, but I know from my experience with the Blueberry Workshop, and that was two years ago, um, that they don't condemn you for it. I mean, it's not like they think you're really that crazy. They they realize that you have a one foot in the bucket when you're trying to deal with your pests and et cetera out there, and and I'm sure that's true. Weed control that's another, but um, but I think more and more just from what I read in my organic gardening magazines and blogs, et cetera, that <clears throat> organic is an idea that's catching on, and even here in Central Alabama, we're probably going to each year we'll see an increase in the number or the percentage. I bet you're organic gardeners. So we probably won't be alone. When, among other things, the cost of all of those things that people are buying goes up so high. Yeah. Um, It's just mind-boggling how much money gardeners who are into those chemicals spend on pesticides and herbicides and fertilizer and pre-treatment and post-treatment and all that stuff. Uh, We don't have to mess with that. Obviously, we have other things we have to mess with, like bugs and weeds and so forth, but we can handle that. Well, let's talk a little bit about what the Master Gardener program is about and what we're looking forward to. Um, This was, it it originated back up up in Washington State, I think, as a way for the extension agent to leverage his or her knowledge by using these volunteers to serve and promulgate the information that the extension agent has, and that idea continues uh, today. Yes. In fact, Becky, who was my contact and who called to tell me that we were accepted into the program and wanted to make sure that I knew something about it before we signed on, uh, she warned me about, you know, that you have to have 50 service hours before you receive your certification. That's in addition to your training. 
Um, and of course, I had heard that and, and it doesn't bother me at all. And then uh, since then, I've learned, I think you have to have like 15 service hours per year to remain, to, to certified. remain certified. So that doesn't bother me. And, and, and there are numerous ways, numerous options for serving. Um, and it is an opportunity to give back. And I'm thinking even engage in dialogue over the years with people who are doing what we're doing. So it's not a bad thing at all. And not I don't at all. mind spending my time that way. And we look forward to it. It begins August the 24th. Yeah, that's our say? orientation. And then on September 2nd through, I think you have a time off for Thanksgiving and then back uh, into the classes through December, through Christmas. Four that's hours your, a week. Uh, four hours a week. That's your training. And then you have January through August of next year to fulfill the 50 hours of, of service, which shouldn't, which shouldn't be, be difficult. No, I wouldn't think so. So we're looking forward to it. Um, and I, I know that we will, um, as I said, you know, here's some things that are either repetitive because we've been doing this for a while or don't apply to us because of the, the um, chemicals people are using. But there are some basic, just having perused a Master Gardener manual that a friend of ours gave us, um, there is invaluable information there. And especially when you see it targeted toward Alabama and central Alabama. And as I told you the other day, what I'm most looking forward to about the Master Gardener program is learning about the resources available to people like us. Not just things that are written on a piece of paper, but also the people, the offices, how to get information easily and we hope quickly, uh, good information rather than just, you know, use this poison or this herbicide. Right, right. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, uh, we're going to be taking a break from farming next week because we have um, a couple of things happening. The, the, most, the most pleasant part being that our children, two of our children and our grandchild will be coming for a visit. Coming into Birmingham yes. for the wedding of our friend Anna Curry. Yeah, that's we're right. We're looking forward to that. And we are coming off being away from the farm, spending time with our daughter, Adrian, our announcer. And um, that has been a pleasant break, but in some ways a challenging break. Just because we're not here all the time uh, watching everything or looking out for pests or whatever we would be doing. And things and that we had said, oh, we really need to get there. that done, just yeah. had to wait. Well, and it's worth it. It's worth it. So, you know, it'll be worth But But the other reason we need some time away, too, is to try to get our house in Birmingham on the market, ready to sell. And that's just been needing to be done for the longest time. So um, it's time to, to do that. It's sort of a transition period between the summer and the fall garden anyway, So, uh, which I could not have made it work in the heavy heat of the moment of the summer garden. But fall garden plants will be going in before too long, and hopefully we'll be back in the full-time swing of it by then. And I guess in some ways your fall garden is already underway because you've planted those peas. That's right. Well, not peas. I should tell you. Well, oh, yes, you're saying out. I planted purple hull peas um, that you can plant through, I think, July 15th. I got the last of them in on July 15th. Um, this is a central Alabama guideline that would not necessarily apply everywhere. And um, so those will be part of the fall garden, I hope, if we can keep pests from eating the leaves. Right. Um, and then I've started, I'm starting some seed um, for cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, um, and um, Brussels sprouts. 
How many of those will take? I do not know because some of them are really not looking too great. But the ones that are doing well, they're, they're a little leggy. So I'm about to do some transplanting. and, and Which may be, among other this. things, a casualty of our being away from the farm yeah. for several days. <laughs> yeah, when I started the seed, you know, I put them in the dome and covered them up. Thought, oh, good, they'll, keep, they'll retain the moisture. I mean, practically overnight, those things shot up and without enough light. But some of them are looking better. So, I noticed that. Yeah. Too. So I think we'll, we'll be fine. We'll, we'll have something to show for it. And I'm going to try some experimentation this year, too, in that some of the seed packets are telling me, for certain ones of those that I mentioned, you can, you can plant it directly into the ground, sow them directly outdoors, but for better results, transplants. Well, I'm going to actually do some of both and okay. see how it works. Um, last year, we tried a fall garden, and a, and some of those very plants I mentioned came up, as and I just sowed them directly into the soil. But then the deer ate them, <laughs> so um, you know that that became our our nemesis last year was the deer and the fall garden. This year, I want to give every the plants every advantage, and um, start some of them from plants so that they can have some mass on them when I put them out there, and uh, then we just have to fend off the pests. And we don't expect to have deer eating our fall garden this year. We don't year. expect to. We hope they aren't too hungry and try to bash through the fence. But we'll we'll report on that. Exactly. It's uh, We kind of knock them down one at a time. We've taken care of the deer, and we hope we've taken care of the rabbits. And now we're working on insects. Uh, speaking of which, we have a big green caterpillar thing that is systematically eating our tomatoes. And you mean I the plant, not the tomatoes themselves, the plant. Eating the tomato plants. And it probably is eating the tomatoes, too, if one would ever grow. <laughs> Correct. Uh, they're eating primarily the leaves. Mm-hmm. That, that's really what we see. The, the, the larger stems are left, but all of the small succulent stems and the leaves just get chewed up. And I have now picked off four of those big, mean, ugly caterpillars and killed them. And we're kind of keeping an eye on them. Yeah, we'll and that's need to walk down or later this morning. And that's see. a good example of one of the many pests that we have spotted out there, and that I know that I think that hopefully the Master Gardener program will help us in in learning how to combat those and what their natural predators might be. But I know for a fact we have those. We've had squash bugs, stink bugs, cutworms, and um, there's probably something else. But anyway, mm. those are grasshoppers. Grasshoppers yeah, we, are not. We know good we've either. had grasshopper damage. So uh, we are going to be looking for ways to combat those critters next year. Yeah. And, and we've got some hummingbirds around. We've, we might put up a bat house or two. Those are supposed to help. Um, we've got some birds that come around. So, you know, we're, just, we're still grasping at straws. And we have <laughs> lots of wasps, and we know wasps are helpful. Because they lay their eggs, and a lot of these pests there, and the larvae eat the eggs of the pests. So, a little bit at a time, we keep working away at it. That's um, right. We've had a, a little issue uh, with the help of the sun hemp. We've identified some real variability in how fertile our soil is over on the east side of Veg Hill. Right. Yeah, you want to talk about how you can tell? <laughs> you measure. Well, it's pretty easy to tell when you plant the same crop on the same day and give it the same growing conditions, and the height varies dramatically. Um, and there's a little post on the uh, site about 
what we did to determine that, we actually took readings at 10-foot intervals on each row to, to keep a record of that difference in fertility so that if we have a question later about, you know, why is this not doing well, we can find out whether, whether the soil fertility might have had something to do right, with it. Right. Um, so let's talk about what we plan to do about that fertility. Well, you had an idea. Um, the only thing I know to do about it is just to add biomass and um, eventually um, let the soil fertility process enhance it again. Uh, you're probably thinking about the daikon radishes. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that we are hoping and expecting to do this fall is to plant daikon radish wherever we do not have an active crop with the idea that the radishes will grow and form under the soil and we will not harvest them. We will just cut off the portion of the plant that is above the ground, lay it down on the soil, and leave that radish below ground to rot, which will enhance the uh, organic matter in the soil. And help to break up some of that hard pan. Exactly, and give the critter something to eat on. And so it should be a good thing for the soil generally. That's, that's our long-term plan for soil fertility. Is, uh, I guess you would classify that as green manure. Right, right. So hopefully that'll... And I know you purchased... Um, some hay this past week, as, and you ordered some horse manure to come. Well, so. Joe Jeffcoat, our friend who has helped us with the hay a couple of times, told me that um, he has some horse manure, and he's just planning to bring it at his convenience and dump it here. So he's not going to charge us anything for it, bless his heart. He's just going to bring it and dump it, and we'll let it cure for a while, and then we hope to use it next spring to enhance this fertility as well. So we do have some, um, and, and oh, I should mention that he, what we know about Joe is that he does not use any kind of herbicides that would be. That's right. Um, he, he is careful problem. not to use anything containing picloram on his hay, which is the real scary chemical that a lot of the um, hay producers are using, at least around here. Mm -hmm. uh, you, one of the things that I think we need to be mindful of is we've identified the variability in the fertility on the east side but I suspect the same thing is present over on the west side oh, yeah. we just don't have an easy way to determine it the well, way we do on the east side. Not an easy way but I can tell a difference in how the crops grow over there. Okay. Like if it's up too close to the house to the, to the barn the north side those plants don't do as well. You get around sort of the middle it does better too close to where we cut down those trees. Not we, well at not all. Not well at all. And then toward the very south end, when it kind of starts going downhill, and it's that you can tell that soil, I just know from digging in it, it is the poorest soil, I think, of all. Well, it that would be consistent out. with what we're seeing on the east side. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. So we, we probably need to do the same thing. We probably need to do the daikon radish strategy on the east and the west side whenever we have soil right. that we're not using for an active crop. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, you wanted to talk a little bit. This is shifting gears, but uh, we mentioned earlier that we had put a clothesline in the backyard. And uh, while I've used it just for a couple of things, like a big blanket or a, 
you know, something large just to let it dry. You actually hung your clothes out to dry on I it. I did, day, and I had to wait until you were gone because I knew if if I tried to do it while you were here, you would fuss at me and pick at me because I know you don't like for me to you don't like the whole idea of a clothesline. But no, that's not true. I don't like the fact that it's got dirt on it right now. It just it needs wiping off because it got my dust ruffle dirty when I put it out there, so I had to wipe it off. Well, and I think. I'll be glad to wipe it off, but the main thing that's going to help to keep it from getting dusty is to use it. That's true. And once we're using it, then I, I, you know, I guess there will be a little bit of dust that comes off on our clothes every time we use it, but it won't, it shouldn't be noticeable. Um, but it, I, I posted about this on the site because we're already able to tell some things about how the clothesline works and what we did right and maybe some things we could have done differently to enhance it. And the, I, I guess the thing that you and I were talking about earlier this morning is we got to figure out a graceful way to handle clothespins. You remembered that your mom had a pouch that hung on the clothesline itself. It was a canvas bag. Yeah, a really a heavy duty canvas bag. And it had a hanger or something built into it. And so it was, it was pretty um, ingenious, really, because it just sort of, she could f- have it follow her along the mm. clothesline as she worked. Just and pull it behind as she yeah. wor- walks down the clothesline. Yeah, so we'll have to get something like that. Something like that, or something that we wear on our body as we are uh, moving around out there. It's but... too hot. I don't want to wear anything else on my body. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, it won't be hot all year. That's but, uh, true. It just seems that way right now. It does. Did it go up to, what, 99 yesterday? I know in Birmingham it did. So. Oh, you know, if you look at our thermometer here, it went up well above 100, but we're not real confident that we're getting good temperature readings. But I think, suffice it to say, we are in the middle of a heat wave. We are. It is uh, It is um, absurdly, insanely hot, as I put it yesterday. Um, it just is miserable out there, but hey. We're handling it okay. Yeah, yeah. Haven't had to turn the air conditioner on yet, although you were making noises about it. Oh, just in case a guest came. But actually, right now as we speak, almost 9 o'clock in the morning, it's pretty pleasant in here. We closed the windows and have the fan on, and it really doesn't feel bad at all. We may no. go back to our let's close the envelope, and then when it gets humid, we'll turn the, the um, uh, dehumidifier on. So this may be a plan for today. We're going to try it anyway. Yeah. I loaded up several soaker hoses yesterday and took them down and put them in the dumpster. I, it must have been four or five. Oh, they were terrible. Hoses. Those, the kind that are made out of recycled tires or something, right? The black, just right. those black round Circular ones. Circular rubber yeah, hoses. That most those. people are probably familiar with when you go to any hardware store. That's the kind yeah. of soaker hose they want to sell you. They're terrible. Yeah. And they wear out way, way too fast. They sprang leaks, and I just hate throwing things like that away, but they're useless. What I have now done is I've bought three flat, what they're called a flat soaker hoses. I found them at Home Depot, and they're out of a nylon, so I'm hoping that those work better. They look more like fabric yeah. than like rubber, Yeah. and they do seem to, well, of course, we'll know over time. We'll we don't know time. right right now, but we hope they will last longer, and we'll keep you posted on that. And my big project for the last two days was to dig up the PVC line, cut it off, and get rid of the old drip irrigation filter and replace it with a, a bigger, meaner, more robust filter. That I finished that project yesterday, and we uh, 
have a full day of watering right now. The blueberries are, in, are getting their water. And um, so it was good to have that behind us. I know. I appreciate you doing that. It was a long, hot project, but it's done, and now we can move on to other tasks. That's right. More long, hot projects. But we'll let you know all about that next week when we catch up with you again. Have a good one. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Or you can send us honest-to-goodness mail at P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.